rootslandnation.com Wear your culture. 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 Oh, she is beautiful. Oh my God, she is beautiful. Absolutely perfect. What a body. Look at the frame, the color. I mean, the shape. The tone, the tint. Yeah, she's got everything. Whew. Everything about her, man. Yeah, what's that expression? She's built like a Russian tank, literally. Literally. So, um, Anna, you think, uh, you think possibly your dad would be interested in selling the Jeep to us? Yeah, you think your dad would sell it? Yeah, it's, it's perfect. Listen, guys, I really don't see what you find so appealing about this van. I mean, are you kidding? I mean, riding around Kingston in an orange Russian van? I mean, that's as cool as it gets. Oh, it's totally rootsy. This is the kind of car you'd see a struggling musician pull up to in the studio. It's so perfect. I mean, there's nothing cooler, dude. There's Look at that thing. There's absolutely nothing cooler than riding around Kingston and something like that. It's a piece of junk and has been rotting in our driveway for years. But if you really want to buy it, I will ask Daddy. I'm sure he would love to get rid of it. Whew. This thing is old school PNP. Yeah, I love it too, but you know, you know how heated politics are, Brian. I mean, driving around in an orange van the color of the PNP party? It's gonna draw attention to us. For good and bad. <laughs> Yes. You know? I mean, come on, man. It's it's, it's going to draw attention. Hey, let's just hope we don't break down in any JLP areas. The guy's righteous is governing the world. Broadcasting live and direct from the rolling red hills on the outskirts of Kingston, Jamaica. From a magical place at the intersection of words, sound, and power. The red light is on. Your dial is set. The frequency in tune to the Rootsland podcast. Stories that are music to your ears. When we first arrived in Kingston, we found out in the age of dance hall and sound systems, live reggae was hard to come by. Text took us by Illusions, a small club on Constant Spring where live groups would play every other Tuesday night. And that's where we first heard The Mystic Revealers, a band from Bull Bay, a small beach town on the southeast corner of the island, about 20 minutes outside of Kingston. The group was led by its singer, Billy Mystic, a charismatic Rasta that surfed and practiced yoga. There's nothing like seeing live reggae in its birthplace of Jamaica, and we thought the Mystic Revealers had all the potential to be a breakout reggae act. They had a fresh, organic sound, songs with catchy hooks, and a dynamic frontman that looked like a central casting version of Bob Marley. The only thing they didn't have was the right timing. And I don't mean musical timing. You see, by the early 90s, that vintage analog roots reggae sound had been overtaken and overshadowed by dancehall. It's digital stepbrother, which was now running the streets of Kingston and global dance floors. The international record companies weren't interested in signing young revolutionaries that made people want to use their minds. They wanted to sign slack-talking DJs that made people want to bump and grind. And whereas the street dances of Kingston were a diverse montage of races, classes, styles, and fashions, Tuesday Nights at Illusions was more of a homogenized uptown Jamaican gathering. 
All it took was a pricey entrance fee to keep away the undesirables, and Kingston's beautiful people could party unobstructed by the commoners. These were mostly white and blended pseudo-hippies and fashion dreads, wearing ripped Versace jeans and red-golden-green Rasta belts. Guys that seemed more interested in channeling the style of Lenny Kravitz than the spirit of Bob Marley. And the must-have accessory, it seemed, for all these uptown dudes was an exotic light-skinned beauty with long, tight curls and a short, tight dress. The popular crowd didn't pay much attention to our little ragtag crew from Armor Heights. But we weren't there for the company. We were there for the music. Then one magical night, life imitated art. And while Billy Mystic sang about seeing his dream girl smiling across a crowded dance floor, I got a glimpse of Ana Henriquez. And Jamaica would never be the same. An artsy olive skin beauty with a flawless smile and vulnerable, sad brown eyes. Anna was just one of a few hundred remaining members of a once robust Jamaican Jewish community. She was a painter, writer, philosopher, an artist in every sense of the word. Anna was dedicated to her craft and committed to her Jewish heritage and island culture, which she incorporated into everything she did in art and in life. These were values she learned from her father, Ainsley Henriquez, a man who spent his days helping to improve the quality of life for ordinary Jamaicans through his work in both the public and private sector. Mr. Henriquez was a walking encyclopedia of Jamaican history and culture. He would entertain Brian and I with stories about everything from the island's turbulent politics to tales about Jewish pirates and buried treasure. European Jews originally arrived in Jamaica in the late 1400s in order to escape the religious persecution under the Spanish Inquisition, torture, expulsion, even death for those who wouldn't denounce their Judaism, and abandon the God of their forefathers and convert to Christianity. On the island of Jamaica, the fleeing Jewish refugees found a sanctuary, a safe place to live and practice their religion. First under Spanish and later under British rule. A Jewish synagogue, the most visible sign of their religious freedom, was constructed in Kingston in the late 1700s, one of the oldest in the Western Hemisphere, and built in the style of the Sephardic tradition, with sand floors. The Jews of Jamaica played a pivotal role in the country's quest for independence from England, and Mr. Henriquez was proud to point out their tireless support for the PNP, the People's National Party which started from humble beginnings as a labor advocate group, fighting for the rights of the country's agricultural workers that was suffering inhumane working conditions while still under British rule. Anna and her father were kind enough to invite Brian and I to attend their services at the synagogue in downtown Kingston for the Jewish High Holy Days, and then after break the fast at their home on Paddington Terrace. We were excited to get a chance to experience the Judaic traditions in a foreign country and also to spend the day around Anna. It was obvious we both had a crush on her, but when we got to her house, we fell head over heels with another member of her family, the 1982 Orange Russian Neva parked in her driveway. And from the first time we saw it, we knew we had to have it. This would be a game changer. In the 1980s and 90s, the Jamaican government sold out the rights to its valuable bauxite ore, a mineral used in the production of aluminum 
to Russian mining companies. In return, Jamaica got to import Russian automobiles. Doesn't seem like a great deal. The Soviet-era Lada and the larger Van the Neva were not subjected to any international inspections or safety standards. Produced in Russian factories by workers on diets of potatoes and vodka, Jamaicans joked that the Lada was an acronym for Life and Death Association due to the dangerous frequency of random parts flying off the moving cars. Despite being wasteful, they were rugged workhorses, and the bare-boned Russian vehicles helped propel a rapidly growing economy. And with their affordability, it made a once-distant dream of owning a car a reality for everyday Jamaicans. These Russian automobiles became fixtures on the streets of Jamaica. And once we bought our Neva, so did we. Brian and I drove the Neva everywhere in Kingston, which meant we also broke down on just about every street corner, from Crossroads to Constant Spring. Once it started, the car was unstoppable. The issue was, once we stopped, then it was pretty much unstartable. There was a recurring problem with the battery that caused us to stall out at every red light in town. And the only way to restart the vehicle was for one of us to get out and give it a running push start, or what they call in Jamaica, a juke start, which we became experts at. It's a delicate balancing act that involves starting the car by manually shifting it into first gear, while simultaneously popping the clutch. The problem is, in order to get enough speed to make it work, we needed to enlist the help of local street youth, or window washers that work the traffic lights. And the last thing they wanted to do was push a heavy Russian car in the hot sun for two broke musicians who always seemed to promise to take care of them and never deliver. It got to the point when they saw us coming, they would duck and hide. For all the problems and expenses, our mechanic Doug was practically on our payroll. The Neva was part of our Jamaican identity, our image. Scrappy hustlers patrolling the streets of Kingston taking guests on errands, checking texts for herb, stalking the studios to meet singers. We couldn't drive anywhere without someone shouting at us, musician, and we had never even recorded a note. The Neva was our family. Grant's Pen has been called a depressed area and where death is disseminated with unfeeling frequency. Not the kind of neighborhood you want to have a blowout at 3 a.m. The time of night when the scavengers come out and when the fiends, desperate for their next fix, emerge unnoticed from the shadows. Before we even pulled over, we were flanked by half a dozen local Grand's Pen youth from out of nowhere. Exactly the kind of characters you'd expect to be lurking around the streets of Grand's Pen at 3 a.m., offering to provide their services to help out, which always starts out innocent enough. But somehow never ends good. We stepped out of the vehicle to survey the damage, and the group that had originally appeared had doubled in size and was quickly growing with the commotion. We were almost surrounded with no place to go when all of a sudden a red pickup truck coming from the dance saw us in distress, pulled over and offered us a ride. Yo, you guys need a ride? If so, just hop in the back. And I mean like fucking right now. In a stroke of luck, we had a ride out of Dodge. But not without a cost. We'd have to break the cardinal rule of the streets. Never leave a soldier behind. In this case, 
it would be our beloved Neva. But we had no choice. We had scanned the Neva one last time for any valuables, and then one by one, stepped into the open bed of the pickup truck. Dominic leaned over the tailgate and told the crowd to look after the car. He assured them we'd be back first thing in the morning to repair the car and take care of them. Yo, my you, listen, my you. Watch out for the man them car tonight. Them a come back first thing in the morning to repair it. Them give you a nice thing. Just look out for the vehicle, see? Dominic said that. All right, driver, movements, everything, Chris. And don't scratch my pain. The pickup slowly pulled away and I could see the crowd encircle the Neva. Then the doors fly open. It was like a scene from Black Hawk Down when the Somali rebels swarm and ravage the down chopper. From a distance, it looked like they started pushing the car into an alleyway or a yard. And then it disappeared. Yo, 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 Brother Nelson, pull over here. Pull, Brother pull. Brown, are you sure this is the right place? I don't see the van. I don't see the car over here, man, but I, this is where we were last night, yeah. right? Brian. This is the spot? Yeah, over there. That does, that looks oh, like whoa. the spot. I mean, well, well, that's wait, where wait, it was wait, last wait. night. Wait, 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 the yard where them take your car looks like a dangerous place. Brother Nelson, just leave us leave us right here. Leave us right here. We got it from here. You and Brian better be careful. Yes, we'll be careful. We're going to go we'll get be the quick. T- We're going to get the tire and get back out real real fast. And then you can take us to go repair it. Never like Grand Spin at all. Are you sure you don't want to get the police and have them help get back the car? No, 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 no. Don't, don't, do not involve the police. No, no, no. We'll, we'll deal with it. No police. Yeah, we don't, I think it's better. We don't want Babylon involved at all right now. Just step in hey, there and listen. Uh, we're good. It. We'll be right back. But wait here for okay, now. Okay, okay. I'll wait here. But I don't want to stay in this area too yeah, long. Yeah, Nelson. We don't like the spot either. We don't like it too much here either. So don't hitch. You might want to tell your driver for going and leave because this might take a while. Them call me Rambo because in every war I fight. I draw first blood. I run this area. What do you carry for me? Rootsland will return in two weeks with the season three finale, you know? So be still and meditate and jaw until it forward. Remember to like, share and subscribe and please support our show by downloading the Rootsland original soundtrack available on Amazon, iTunes or wherever you purchase music. So join the Roots gang on Rootsland. Yes, Rasta. Henry K. Productions.